Hello and welcome back to Netflix and Kill, a podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films on Netflix. I'm your moderator, Kyla, and joining me today are my friends Marty and Hannah. Hey, I'm Marty. I'm Hannah and I don't like this movie. <laughs> That's None of us do. So today we're talking about the 2008 film The Midnight Meat Train. Oh boy. Um, 2008... Yeah. It- it was like a year where we got Obama as president and as punishment, like, like you know, you get a good thing and yeah, then you and have then to you get, get a bad Homestuck thing. Homestuck and the Mean Night Meat Train. <laughs> I don't know much about Homestuck, but I know I hate this. Yeah. No, Homestuck that's... is chaos. It can be good and bad. Um, mostly bad based on the fandom. But um, Midnight Meat Train is just fucking awful. At least oh, it doesn't no, have no. a fandom. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, the meatheads. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is. Um, and we'll talk about this later, but a little more. It is interesting to me how a lot of the reviews seem to really think that this movie was destined to become a cult classic. <laughs> Thankfully, that is not the case. Um, I would be really concerned at the state of humanity if that was actually what had happened. Yeah, it's what, like, um, nine years later and, like, yeah, no one only us have seen it and we hate it. <laughs> I read one review saying it was the best Clive Barker short story adaptation since Hellraiser, but here's the thing. How many of Clive Barker's stories had been adapted since Hellraiser? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean Candyman was one. Candyman was good. Mm-hmm. That was 1990. Hellraiser was, like, what, 85? We'll check. So it's interesting too that um, we're talking about yet another Clive Barker story. I didn't like quite intend for this since our last episode was Hellraiser, but it does, I guess, provide a nice seven. like eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Okay. It does complement it pretty well in a weird way. I didn't realize this was a Clive Barker movie when I first saw it. Because me and Hannah actually watched this last year. We got into it, I feel like, the same way everyone gets into it with its misleading name. Because it sounds dumb, and it sounds like it could be, like, a fake porno. Like, something that you get into it because it's like, oh, the midnight me train. Like, wet hot American summer. I bet they have all these campy jokes and all this fun gore and ah ha 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 with the good chuckles. Yeah, with, like, a synth score or some random bullshit. The midnight meat train is pulling into the station. seriously and it's just ugly and it's just unpleasant and it's no fun even the gore it's just cgi up the wazoo literally they like smack a dead ass for a while (laughs) with the meat cleaver and they can't even make that fun like if i describe it out loud it sounds like it should be a laugh riot but it's just not it's really not yeah the, the, the way it's shot the color grading makes it look like it's supposed to be some kind of gritty ass movie but all you like for the tone of it is like what's happening and the tone do not match and therefore it doesn't make for a good story at all the tone is like you accidentally walked into a restroom where two people are fucking and (laughs) two of them know how to fuck well and you can't get out because you really have to take a shit that's that's um so beautifully (laughs) and so perfectly heard a movie described i mean that completely captures the essence of this film that that perfectly describes the the fucking ass you can't you can't figure out if they're fucking or they're dying because (laughs) the sounds they're making are the same. <laughs> Maybe saying fucking is dying. <laughs> so deep. So deep. So, so we're gonna get into that a little bit later, our reactions of it. Um, 
But the, yeah, this is a thing that we found while browsing Netflix long before the birth of the idea of this podcast. Um, and I just thought it sounded fun. I was like, hey, here's a movie called The Midnight Meat Train. That sounds funny. It looks kind of gory. Um, like, sure, why not? And it was just so bad from start to finish. Like, I don't... Uh, to the point where I almost turned it off, but you just keep watching to see what a train wreck it will be. A <laughs> like, uh, train wreck, midnight well, meat it's train. It's gonna get better because with a name like midnight meat train, you're like they gotta realize how dumb this is, right? Yeah, yeah like there's gotta but be some sort don't. of payoff. And so we we saw this movie, we hated it, and then we talked. <laughs> of course, we went and told all of our friends how awful it was, um, and you know, months later, are still talking about it. And so. I think at some point we brought this up to Marty, who had not seen it, and we told you, this is a really terrible movie, don't watch it at any cost, and of course the first thing they did, <laughs> they, they did is went and watched the movie. Yeah, of course. Because film student life. What, what, whenever someone says don't fucking watch something, you know, when you're a, a, a horror movie, like, lover, you're like, oh, so that means I should watch it. You know, just like every fucking kid in a horror movie goes, oh, don't have sex? Okay, let's have sex. You know, that's just life. That's just how my life is. Um, that's, that's like, I kind of want to go see that, the snowman. Movie. Oh, God, that oh, looks so bad, so too. I want to see that. Lo- that looks like I the, um... it's, like, laughably bad. Good, because this is not even laughably bad, except for a few scenes. The, um... And ca- characters, really. Like, the only person who I think understands what kind of movie they're in is that art critic lady. Yeah, yeah, no, that... Sorry. The, the poster art for the snowman looks like that hot chocolatey milk meme that was going around in 2013. <laughs> Hello, would you like some of this hot chocolatey milk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't remember that, but I'm really glad that I... Oh, I'll, I'll show you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the official... I am Because I guess, you know, we're talking about this movie, we should actually talk about what it's about. So, the official IMDb description for The Midnight Meat Train is, A photographer's obsessive pursuit of dark subject matter leads him into the path of a serial killer who stalks late-night commuters, ultimately butchering them in the most gruesome ways imaginable. Um, that's... Marty, explain. Yeah, please explain Is that it? Yeah, that's the description on IMDb. So... Tell us more about the actual, like, plot of this movie and what happens. Warning to all you listeners out there, the meat is about to be spoiled. Oh, Ew. (laughs) Meat out of the fridge. I have made so many good puns about this movie that the movie did not utilize at all, and I believe I deserve a check. Yeah. You just, yeah. If you were the editor for that movie, it would have been a lot better. Do some reshoots. <laughs> Dub over it. The The plot of the movie is that this pretentious-as-fuck art guy is like, I need to improve my art. And, like, he does photos and shit. So what he starts doing is stalking around subways and inner cities during the night to take pictures of crime. Because that's what you do when you're a sane person who wants to do art. Apparently. Right. Well, he goes to the art critic, who was our favorite <laughs> character in the film. She was so stupid. Um, I loved it. Um, sorry. do you know how I know this artist was a genius? Because he was three hours late. No, oh. he was three days late. Oh, late. that's uh, even fucking worse. See, here's the thing. If I'm three hours late to an interview, I don't get the job. If I don't give my paintings at the time that they're allotted, I get an F. This bitch, I guess, I get a fucking prize. 
Anyways, he, like, starts fucking discovering that, like, some shit's going down on the train, because, like, this one girl that he rescued from being mugged and probably raped is, like, you know, she, like, disappears on a train the next day after after he saves her, and he's like, what? But I, but I saved her, so, like, she should be fine, right? Because, like, everything exists in a fucking vacuum for Bradley Cooper. <laughs> and so he goes to the police, and they're like, uh, these look like tabloids, go the fuck away. And, um, then after that, it's just kind of, uh, a shit show until Ted Raimi shows up, and... He's on screen for, like, maybe five seconds before the meat man, whom I've, like, that's that's his name now. I don't think he was ever given a name in the movie, but he's the meat man to me. It's like it Raymond or something. The, it starts I, with an R. I don't remember. I don't know. It, the, meat, the meat man just comes up behind him, smacks him in the head, and, like, these ugly-ass CGI eyeballs fall out of Ted Raimi's face. And then, by that point, I fell asleep in the movie <laughs> the first time I watched it. And then I woke up and the credits were rolling, but I was told there were lizard men? And I find that hard to believe, but apparently it's true, so... Well, I mean, we, we, we watched it tonight, and yeah. we saw the lizard men. So, um, yeah, he, the photographer guy, Bradley Cooper, is trying to prove himself to this pretentious-ass art critic by taking gritty photos in the subway so he goes, it's intercut with murder scenes. He also has melodrama with his girlfriend, because that's what we want to watch in a horror film. He, She's mad at him because um, he doesn't take any pictures of her. Like, you know, okay. Melodrama, whatever. Um, they fuck on a counter at one point. <laughs> Then, he eats her ass. He just like shoves his nose way up in her ass, and he's like, watching it. it." We have made fun of that ass eating scene. Oh my so god, much. she looks so it damn uncomfortable. It doesn't even last that long. It's just how bad he must be at fucking that makes that scene. She looks memorable. Like, she looks like she's totally in pain the entire time. Like she's not enjoying being fucked in the ass by Bradley Cooper at all. And then it's intercut with like scenes of the train going into the tunnel, and it just—it's so fucking bad. Like we get it, they're fucking. You don't have to like fucking use a a goddamn train intercut for this. We get it. We get it. The midnight meat train is pulling into the station. We get it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, moving past that though, because we haven't even gotten to the ending yet. Which oh god, <laughs> lizard man. Yeah. So Robert when it Cooper, goes into reptilian territory, that's how you know you got When Benedict Cumberbatch shows up. Right. So Bradley Cooper um, goes to investigate the murders on the train, and his girlfriend also goes to investigate, and they run into each other. Many fights are had with the meat man, and eventually the train pulls into this random, whatever its final stop is. It's like City Hall or um, something. On Tumblr, it's like a cavern underneath the city. Yeah, mm. it's something like that. And so there's bodies hanging that the meat man has, like, killed and, like, hangs them up like actual, like, meat to be butchered. Um, in the train, and so, like, the train pulls to a stop, and all these lizard men board and start eating the dead bodies. And then, you know, Bradley Cooper and his girlfriend step off kind of confused. They have a, another fight with the meat man. Bradley Cooper kills him. 
And then, um... The conductor. Yeah, the conductor approaches and tells him, you're the new butcher now. No, 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 what he says is, um, back away from the meat. (laughs) And then then he, and then the conductor leaves and leaves them to watch these lizard men come on board. And so they have to, like, quickly hide because they didn't heed the conductor's warning. Step away from the meat means step away from the meat, guys, And then he rips out Bradley Cooper's tongue. Well, like, well, first, like, before that, they think that the meat man is killed, but then he fucking shows up with some, like, railroad burns on his face, and it's like, how the fuck did you survive that? Because, you know... Okay, I have something very important to say. I am so disappointed in this movie for many reasons, but above all, there is a scene where they are fighting on the train with the meat man. And Bradley Cooper has him out, halfway outside the window, and he gets tossed from the train. And he did not say, this is your stop, meat man, or meathead. It was so easy. It was pretty much gift-wrapped for them. Any actor, Bruce Campbell, me, anyone, would have said it. And if the cameraman said that's not the line, they would have said it anyway, because that's the only fucking thing you can do in a movie called The Midnight Meat Train. And they didn't say, this is your stop, meathead. And I'm deeply disappointed. Like, that- are we all. Maybe it would have happened if the movie was fucking aware of how campy it was, considering that they got Ted Raimi in as a cameo, but they fucking didn't, and it's treated like some kind of serious-ass bullshit, and it's totally not- I hate it. It is. It's it's ridiculous. Okay, so to finish off, Meat Man is killed by Bradley Cooper, and then Bradley Cooper's girlfriend is killed by a conductor, who then tells Bradley Cooper that he is the new um, butcher on the Midnight Meat Train, and is now his job to feed the lizard men, which apparently has been going on for like a hundred years, because the they don't want the lizard men to take over, and so what's the rational solution? To let's keep it a murder, secret. Yeah, let's keep it a secret and just murder a bunch of people on the subway. You know, hiding um, the truth from the public always ends well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Let's so just ask the men in black. <laughs> the film ends with Bradley Cooper getting his full dosage of man pain and uh, becoming the new butcher on the midnight meat train. Because his wife gets fucking um, murdered. Like, yeah, they fucking so rip open her rib cage like she's some kind of like... And they pull out her still beating heart like it's fucking Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. God. By this point, I think you can already gather our initial reactions on this, but let's just... Oh, a turn of events. I love this movie. Yeah. It's uh, so subversive. Initial reactions, I can tell you, I, for one, did not like the movie. And, you know, the first time, when I first saw it, I actually, I mean, I didn't like it, but I didn't really think much of it. I just kind of thought that it was bad, and some of the laughable scenes that we'll talk about stuck out in my mind a lot, but I kind of didn't think much of it. And then, like, eventually, the more time that passed, the more and more I kept thinking back on it and thinking, you know... That was really fucking stupid. And, like, I kept being reminded of how bad a movie it was. And then we rewatched it tonight, and yes, indeed, it is a very, very, very bad film. Like, one of the worst that I've seen on Netflix. And that's saying something, because Netflix has a lot of shit on (laughs) Well, this movie, watching this also made me realize... I hate to say, I think Bradley Cooper is talented, and I think he is a good actor, but there aren't a lot of movies that I actually like him in. Like, there's Guardians, Guardians 2, and Wet Hot American Summer, and Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I liked 10 Cloverfield Lane. (laughs) Haven't seen it. 
Yeah, that, that one's good. Yes, um, some of the, I guess, better critically acclaimed stuff that he's been in, I haven't seen either. I've just seen Midnight Meat Train, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, that's about it, really. I don't, I don't watch a lot of Bradley Cooper movies, except I really did not like Silver Linings Playbook. That was bullshit, and uh, most of that is just, you know pretentious shit just like this movie is this movie i don't know i don't blame him as much i don't know what the direction was i, I think it was a foreign director was, which we've seen foreign directors come in and do good things oh hell yeah snowpiercer like, is one of my favorite movies yeah like particularly in the horror genre but i guess i don't know i guess i wasn't holding that can i wasn't what? holding that against him for being foreign and in america sometimes that that's a good that's a better thing well, yeah, I just this particular in this particular movie it did not work. I don't know about this director's body of work. Maybe this was a fluke. Yeah. So I mean, also apparently the production of, fluke, of this though. film was like difficult. That they had a lot of problems with the studio and like not getting a proper budget, and the studio trying to like hide it from release. Which in this case, I actually agree with. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I can't imagine this film getting a theatrical release. Please, no. But it did, it got a very small one. It was kind of just stuck in the direct-to-video, which, and apparently there was, like, a campaign for a while on the internet that people really wanted to see this and wanted to support it and, like, campaign for it to get put into theaters, which, I mean, I appreciate that a little bit, because I do support, um making known smaller budget horror films and kind of the underdogs but in this case it's just a bad film and that doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to be seen it's just just don't just, watch it, it if you don't it, it, deserves, <laughs> it, it deserves to be forgotten i think um which it has and i can't forget for the most the part besides the fact Cooper, that we're bringing it up i can't forget the things i've seen with bradley cooper and eating his ass, ass eating machine yeah yeah so, i'm i'm never gonna fucking um, forget ted Raimi getting his eyes knocked out and seeing these nasty little cgi things another fall thing. all the, the critics they do it they do it in slow-mo too it's like a brrr, and so like you get the full extent of how shitty the cgi is that's exactly what i was gonna say the critics <laughs> all acclaim this for like gore hounds are gonna love it it's so gory which it is but it's not fun gritty Sam Raimi. Even the gore. blood in it was CGI. Like, if you're gonna do... It never felt real. Yeah, it's not... Or it, fun. It, or practical. Like, so if you want to scare me, don't fucking put CGI eyeballs in, man. I think putting this into context, um, I don't know, maybe the horror scene was just very different in 2008. Like, it's hard for me, because it did... The thing that baffles me is it's got such huge critical support when it came out. I mean, it has, like, it's in the 70s on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which is kind of incredible to me that well, it here's... got that high. And so I think the, I think maybe at the time people were just starved for good horror films. I mean, I would say <sighs> that right now we are living in a renaissance for horror films. I mean, we've got stuff like The Babadook or Get Out or The Witch. Um, I, I will even Rush. say Happy Death Day is pretty good. Yeah. Here like, are some... this year. And so maybe... In 2008, it just wasn't a good scene for horror films, and people wanted to support something new and gory and fun. I mean, it is a little bit different genre-wise. I think in 2008... I pulled up a bunch of horror movies that were released in 2008, and you are correct. There are not a lot of good ones. Like, the best one is probably Let the Right One In. 
Oh, that was Martyrs very good. came out, which I do not personally like, but I do recognize it to be a very, a very poignant th- movie that like is hard for me to watch. But uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, I don't think is horrible, but it's got be- it's got better gore than this. But the rest, you got like a uh, pouty pool, ponty pool, amusement cottage, prom night, the happening, uh, Saw four. Nope, 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 sorry, my bad. Saw 5, Shudder, <laughs> Eden Lake, Quarantine, Cloverfield. I, I haven't seen Cloverfield. I, I've I like, heard I like mixed Cloverfield. things. Yeah I heard, yeah, I heard Cloverfield um, is pretty ruins, good. Ruins, The Strangers, The Eye, Dance of the Dead. I kind of want to see that. That poster looks campy. Um, Feast 2, Dead Girl, yeah. Zombie Strippers, April <laughs> Fool's Day, The Children, Babysitter Wanted, Outpost, The Burrowers, Baby Blues, okay. Gutter Balls, I've heard- and... And to okay. peace day resistance, one more. Never cry werewolf. <laughs> I've heard of almost none of those. Um, if that's any indication from the names alone, I can gather that they're probably very, very cheap slashers or cheap paranormal films or, you know, stuff mimicking the popularity of Saw. Um, so maybe people were starved for something new, but you know, I think that the Midnight Me Train is kind of still all of those things. It's cheap slasher, cheap gore, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess there just weren't a lot of good options then. So it is kind of puzzling to me, but at the same time, maybe it really isn't that surprising that people wanted something to like. Um, but... No matter what, I would say this film has not stood the test of time. Um, Obviously never... from the CGI. Yeah. It's only been how well, many years? Seven? No, nine. nine. It's nine. been nine years. I never hear any talk of it. And I guess, you know, thinking about the CGI, though, this came out in a time when CG was, like, in the height of its... Like, right now, I'd say we're also living in a revival of practical effects. Um, where people are starting to realize the value of those effects and bring them back. Like, you know, even big-budget films like The Force Awakens are so proud of their practical effects. And then horror films especially right now. I mean, Krampus, which came out last year, I think? 2015. It was a few years Um, ago. A few years ago. Either way, Krampus, you know, was so proud of its practical effects. Or even... Trick or treat. Yeah, Happy Death Day. um, Get Out is more psychological. Yeah, well, like, even more recent, like, monster flicks, they still are very proud of their practical effects. And then this, the Midnight Meat Train's very much the opposite, where it's all CG. And I think that was just a thing, a product of the time, is um, people were still living very much in the CG, or didn't know how to use it very well. Because I think even movies now that utilize CG, they know how to utilize them better. Like, the It remake. Um, Yeah, a lot of the CG... Um, in Midnight Meat Train was extremely excessive. Like, all like all the computer generated stuff like could have been achieved better with with, with practical effects. Like, and I think. Oh, sorry. There's a lot of like the blood splatters and stuff, and the like, just that one part where Ted Raimi's eyes pop out of his head could have been done way better. Like, if you did it quicker, 
and use CG, it would have been fine, but you slowed it down and, like, tried to show off the fact that you were using CG, and that just didn't work because it looked extremely fake. And you can balance practical effects and CG. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, like, a movie I would point to that does it expertly well is Slither, which came out in 2006, which is directed by James Gunn, and it has that campy horror feel where it has legitimate moments of tension and horror while giving you a good time and a laugh that kind of combines those two polar opposites to create a really good experience and a really well-made film where you can realize that, yes, I can do CGI, but it's also about the content I'm producing. Which, another thing, I don't really understand what the Midnight Meat Train is trying to say. Well, I think I have a hunch, but we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, Like, first, I just want to talk about, like, the surplus-level problems with this film. It's ugly. Um, it's so ugly. The color is, grading on it is is super bad. Yeah, the whole thing has this grainy look to it. Mm-hmm. I assume that was intentional, but I don't really understand it. So flat characters. Yeah, flat extremely look. flat characters. I think the girlfriend in particular, did you think... I remember the first time we watched it, we were hoping it would be like a a swapping expectation scenario where Bradley Cooper looked like he was on his way out because he was going crazy and he kept searching out the meat man so we thought he was going to get axed off and she was going to have to step it up because horror like is traditionally a genre where women step it up and become the hero and I was hoping to see that but no her character is just essentially she's there for Bradley Cooper to fuck and for him to feel sad over when she dies and that is the purpose of her character I mean, that's pretty much set up from the get-go, though, because she's like, if you get this good job, then we're gonna fuck and I'm gonna make you feel really happy. And then, like, they fuck, and then that's the end of it, really. And then she dies. No, they fuck a couple more times. Yeah. It's the most, like, senseless... uh, The most basic of motivations, really. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen this sad man, dead wife, or dead girlfriend, or, you know... As a person who watches The Walking Dead a lot. (laughs) A lot. Yeah, I'm I'm really tired of uh, women in fictional settings getting fridged because of man pain. Looking at you, Supernatural. Well, and also horror movies usually... They allow everyone else besides the woman to get fridged. Like, look at Halloween. Every single person besides this poor girl is getting axed off, and she's the one who has to endure. Or look at Alien. Look at just so many... Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw. Hellraiser, yes. And why is this the one where we bring back the man pain trope? Yeah, I don't know. Just because it's... It's, I feel like it's literally supposed to be catering to the fact that, you know, men are emotional beings who want to do art and seek out meat. <laughs> I feel like the most well-rounded character in this entire thing um, was the lizard men. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you have the freaking art critic. Oh, the art critic. <laughs> In in this particular story, there's a bunch of bullshit that's going down that you have no idea what, what's going on, really. And, like, the, the point, like, the fact that they take it seriously just makes it even worse because, like, it's so ridiculous. You, you kind of can't help but make fun of it. And the fact that the movie doesn't take time to make fun of itself, it really... It really suffers. 
It does, and that's that really is the fundamental problem of this movie when we get down to it, is um, that it takes itself too seriously, and that's really where it fails. Because I think a movie like this, it could have worked. I mean, I like... I do like how batshit insane it is. I mean, lizard men are underutilized in horror. It's a very, like, not quite Lovecraftian, but a very cosmic kind of horror that I like. And I think, like, there's good things going for it. It just doesn't work because it takes itself so seriously and is so convinced that it has something important to say when it doesn't. And I think it would have played much better if it embraced the fun and embraced the camp um, opportunities that are here. And the thing about the the camp also, when, and the problem that happens when it takes itself so seriously, is you expect these questions to have answers. And they don't have satisfying answers, so the questions load up and the nitpicking gets so loud that you can't even appreciate the product they're trying to do because I'm too busy worried about, well, why, are these, why hasn't anyone else noticed that these people have been murdered? Why is Bradley Cooper the only one who, why does Bradley Cooper have to become the butcher? Why hasn't anyone just gone in and killed these lizard men? Why do we need to feed them to keep the balance? Why weren't they hinted at earlier in the film? Why is there this butcher figure? Is it some sort of cosmic thing? It's just right. like these questions that wouldn't Why matter they... in any other setting become detrimental to the film that's when it's trying to say something and trying to take it seriously because you're like, okay, I take you seriously. Tell me what you're doing. And they can't even do that. And, like, also, why at the end do they have to murder the girlfriend besides the fact that, you know, to have man pain for Bradley Cooper's character? Like, there was, it was, it wasn't necessary, and I feel like it just kind of was there for the extra gore effect, and, of course, that was really bad because the gore effects in this were terrible. And I don't mind a movie leaving me with questions or anything. I just, I prefer to have questions, bigger questions, rather than just the mechanics of the film. Yeah, I'd rather have, like, a thematic question, like like some, some of the movies that we watched, you know, uh, like Blade Runner. I, I really enjoy that one because of uh, the, the philosophical questions of... Uh, what what are we? What makes us human? Why are we here? And who are we? Um, but th- this one, I I literally cannot take any meaning out of this movie. Besides, um, let's just keep things under wraps because uh, lizard man. Public transport bad. <laughs> Apparently. So Next yeah, time, I- take an Uber. <laughs> So I think that this film is trying to say something deep, but I, again, I don't understand what it's trying to say. Like, I think there is maybe something to be said about the way the police ignore um, Bradley Cooper's character when he goes to talk to them about the murders happening. Like, okay, is it commenting, is it having a commentary on how, on crime in the city and how it's ignored? I but really then it don't... never. Oh, sorry. Well, it never really, like, follows up on that. It just kind of... Like, it doesn't really follow through with those themes. I mean, the police don't really come back that much throughout the film. Is it trying, you know, is it like, is it trying to make a commentary about the government and how 
apparently they're harboring lizard men. <laughs> we all know it. <laughs> it doesn't really follow through with that either. And then... QX Files theme. With the police There's... also, if they really wanted to make a commentary, please don't cast a black woman as the person who's ignoring just the justice system. I feel like that's just... No. No. Uh, also, like, she's ignoring a white man when normally in situations like this it would be... Uh, of course, 100% the other way around. Like, there's no doubt about it. And it just doesn't... It, it, it doesn't make any sense, and the the casting choices, I feel like, were terrible for the point that they were trying to make. Just that, just that this whole thing was a shit show, and I'm... I, Remember ugh. when that girl got assaulted, and Bradley Cooper saved her, and her action immediately after was to kiss him? Yeah, she was, like, fixing to, like, be mugged and raped, probably. And... She was like, oh, thank you for saving me. And then, like, kisses him, which, like, okay, whatever. But, like, any any other woman in that situation isn't going to be, like, all over someone who just showed her some human decency and got an attacker off of her. It's a male fantasy, and it's stupid. There is a very big layer of misogyny to this film. Speaking of male fantasies... So, let's talk about that sex scene. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather not. I don't even know what to make of that. So, Bradley Cooper and his girlfriend, at one point during the movie, are kissing in the diner where she works. It's after hours. They're kissing very passionately. um, And then he proceeds to slam her down over a counter and stick his face right up her ass. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... It's like he's trying to reverse birth himself <laughs> really by shoving his entire face into her ass. Yeah. And so, and the, the funniest part about this, because we laughed out loud, of course, during this. It's so ridiculous. The funniest part about this is that she really doesn't look very happy about it. No, every, no. Time, every time they fucking zoom in on her face, she looks like she is A, in severe pain, and B, like, just totally fucking uncomfortable. And I really kind of feel sorry for that actress because I feel like that wasn't her acting. <laughs> and here's the thing about that scene, is what does it what does it show us about the character? Nothing. What does it improve? What does it give us? Besides, like, uh, the way it's framed, like, are we supposed to think he's becoming the villain because he's fucking her weird or she's not enjoying it? It's But then they never follow up on it. She's never like, hey, that was messed up what you did. Or, hey, I didn't like that. It's just, it's, it's just weird. It's just there and it's for the male gaze and, like, n- no one in their right mind is going to think, oh, hey, sexy, br- you know, meat train time. You know, no the meat trains pulling into the station. Oh, the meat trains pulling into the station. Oh, yeah. And it's like, no, uh, no, no. Yeah, and so, and I don't even know. I mean, I feel like we're supposed to believe that she's enjoying it. I feel like that's what the film wants us to believe. But that actress's face was clearly telling us otherwise. So it's it's a puzzle of a scene. I hated that scene. The viewers, most of all. Um, So while we're talking about, like, batshit crazy scenes, another highlight of the film is Ted Raimi has a short appearance. (laughs) Which we've mentioned several times before, especially me. It's my son. Yeah, so please tell us about this, Marty. 
Well, <laughs> um, as most people know, I'm a really big fan of the the uh, Raimi clan and uh, associates, um, Bruce Campbell included. Um, and so, like, the reason I watched this movie was because I knew Ted Raimi had a cameo in it, and you guys didn't tell me that. I had to learn that from one of our other friends, and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll, I'll watch it and, you know, see, see what that's like, and, oh, it was a big mistake, because, um, he only gets, like, a small like, a small role. I thought maybe he would have a bigger role, and he's literally there to stand on the train and talk to, like, these random-ass two people. I think one of them didn't even, like, really know the other two, but I could be totally wrong, and they are just standing there on the train talking, and they're sitting there ignoring this woman who is like, hey, look out, there's a guy with a fucking meat hammer behind you, and, like, they they fucking hit Ted Raimi in, in the back of the head and his eyeballs fall out and like also there's like enough blood in Ted Raimi's head when he gets hit in the back of his head with the meat hammer to completely cover this woman and it looks like the scene from Carrie only it's totally implausible because of how much fucking blood comes out of Ted Raimi's head and the way the eyes come out, just in the most it's like cartoon- <laughs> the most cartoonish fashion, just God. CG that's so fake it looks like it's 2D. I it's- would have been laughing at that point if, like, the overall tone of the movie had wanted me to, but mm-hmm. in-, in actuality, I was sitting there going, what the fuck is going on? Why are they doing my boy Ted Raimi like this? <laughs> uh... At least he got paid for relatively little screen time. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, that's I the truth. I don't know, like, how they got him involved in this. Well, maybe I don't. <laughs> um, maybe he oh, owed someone or had to sell his soul to someone. I mean, he's already yeah, sold his soul to his brother, really. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like Ted Raimi would... Like, like all of us. Like, we hear a movie called The Midnight Meat Train. That sounds like a campy good time. It's like... It's and then like... you get there, and it's like, nah. <laughs> do you guys remember the time uh, that Bill Murray signed on to do the Garfield movie yeah. because he thought it was by the Coen brothers? Yeah. <laughs> it just by, uh, happened to be by guys who were called Coen or, like, Joel Coen or something. Yeah, and he was like, oh, fuck, now I'm doing the Garfield movie. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> they got him a second time for the money. Uh, yeah, yeah, not even so Ted Raimi can save this no. shit show. No, really. Everyone nodding in agreement yes. that this is an audio podcast and no one's gonna see that, but everyone I mean, is nodding, nodding in agreement. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm, I think we've pretty much wrapped up here. So, do we have any finishing thoughts, real fast? Um, Ted Raimi deserved better. <laughs> This is your stop, meathead. Ah, <laughs> uh, the the midnight meat train's pulling out of the station. <laughs> this train um, got derailed. So that is the midnight meat train. I don't recommend Ta-da! this film under any circumstances ever. Not even if you're drunk. Maybe watch. <laughs> maybe watch, maybe watch it drunk. if you're like too happy and like just want to slap yourself and you're like oh hey people are shitty like 
If you want it, you want to watch it for that reason, fine. Also, but maybe movie just can't even convince you of that. So yeah, I know it like it, it can't. <laughs> um, not much of a point. Go on YouTube and find the Ted Raimi cameo and watch how crappy the CGI in it is. Just just for the fuck of it. Yeah, if there's, if there's one scene that I'd have to recommend from this movie, it is that the Ted Raimi could just because why not? Just for how how insane and out of place it is. See, I, I... I like his face. What I what I did there, I said for the fuck of it, and I meant to say fun, and then I also meant to say heck, and it just came out fuck. <laughs> the, feck. the feck of it. For the fuck of it. Yeah, feck. Uh, so that's The Midnight Beat Train. Hope you tune in and listen to another episode. Go forth. May your nightmares be plentiful.